All right, well, glad you guys are here to worship the Lord with us this morning. It's always good to gather and, and praise the King of Kings and, and learn from His Word, His truth. Before, though, we get into our passage this morning, I do want to share one more announcement. I know we had a lot of them, and if you were here this past Wednesday night, you already know this. This is kind of old news uh, to you, but starting next week, next week, we are going to be going back to our pre-COVID two-service schedule, okay? So we will have two services starting next week at 9 o'clock and 10.45. Oh, look at that. How beautiful. Right on the screens. 9 and 10.45. Both services will be exactly the same like our three are right now. They both have youth group, kids classes. Uh, the ASL interpretation will be in the second service for that. And so once you make you guys aware of that, people always ask why. why? Like, why have you guys been changing service times and all this stuff? And um, there's a lot of different re reasons, honestly, for sometimes when we, we shift the, the schedules um, of the services and things like that. But, you know, honestly, there's a lot of transition we have coming up and we want to have those two services again to continue to, to build community amongst the church. There's, um, with the three services we have right now, it's kind of like, hey, hello, good, glad you guys are here. Get out of here because we've got another group coming. And it really kills a lot of the fellowship that we really enjoy before and between and after services. But then also, you know, when COVID hit, we were forced to spread out a ton. We've been slowly adding rows back. I don't know if you guys have noticed um, in the services, but when COVID hit and we had all the different restrictions and, and regulations to follow, um, that was another big reason why we went to three services so we could fit everybody into those. And so um, thankfully things are, are better and getting better. And so we're going to go back to nine and 1045. But we really do need your guys' help with that because honestly, as the Lord continues to grow this body, and, uh, and continues to give us vision for the future of planting other uh, churches and different things like that. We really need you guys um, to, to do your part. And, and one of the big things you can do with those two services is serve. We need people to serve in different capacities on Sunday mornings in different places. So I just ask that you guys would pray about that. If you're not serving somewhere on Sunday mornings, we could really use some help with that. Um, also, as some of you guys, I know maybe you like going to later service. That's why you're here at this one. If you want to go to the earlier service, that could be a blessing. Um, we have a little bit more room in that service. But then also with all the kids, we love that we can worship with our kids. Like it's one of the part of the DNA of this church that I love to family worship and the kids to not just have their own separate individual things and the adults do their things, but we can worship God together. There's so much is learned um, from even the children through worshiping together. So we want to continue to have that, but maybe it'd be a deal where you keep your kids on your laps to allow more seats for other people, things like that. Um, and just be mindful of other people and continue to, to reach out to each other as we're here. Learn more than people's favorite color. Uh, maybe if you learn their favorite color, then you buy them a shirt the next week with their favorite color. I'm not asking for a bunch of black t-shirts, okay? I should have said that. Um, but we need you guys to step up, help out, be a part. We're excited for what God has. But next week, 9, 1045. Got it? You guys got it. You're awesome. All right, so let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. That's what will be... Uh, 
focusing on this morning as we continue going through Matthew. And it says this. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So let's pray real quick and then we'll begin thinking through this. Jesus, we love you. We do, we love you. And even like the first song we sang this morning to to help us find our own flame, Lord, we don't want to live through the, the excitement, the flame of somebody else's passion for you. Father, we want you to ignite a a fire in us for you and your word and your truth and your mission and your plan for our lives that that just burns so strong. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and just work in our hearts like only you can this morning. Father, I pray that you would overwhelm us actually with what you will do in our lives this morning. That when we leave out the doors, Father, that we would be molded more into your image. That we would understand your truth in deeper and greater ways. And that we would live and do what your word says as we go. So Holy Spirit, just come, work, move. This time is yours. Do with it however you see fit. We love you, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So, you know, as you go through life, if you've been living life for any amount of time, you understand that you find yourself oftentimes at these whys in the road or these forks in the road where you have decisions that have to be made and they're two very different paths. That if you choose one path, one direction... You understand where that road leads. If you choose the other, it has very different sets of of consequences of of what's going to take place. But life is full of these points, these forks in the road where we have to make a choice. And honestly, some of those choices that we make will color the complexion of the rest of our lives. Some, Some of these choices that we make as we come to these forks in the road will have an incredible, significant impact on what your life is going to look like and what the, your, your family's life will look like. We all come to these different moments at different times in our lives where the choices are significant. And here in our text this morning, in many ways, that's what Jesus is saying, that there are two roads that you can travel. There's two different paths you can take. There's two different gates that you can enter through, and the choice is yours. And one of these paths, it leads to destruction. And one of these paths lead to life. But the choice is up to each and every one of us. The choice in this fork in the road that we face in the text this morning is one that has eternal consequences forever. And so I will tell you this, just very plainly speaking, if you ever come to any forks in the road in your life and one of the options is to choose Jesus or follow Jesus and the other is something different, always choose that route. Promise you. It's always for your good and God's glory. Choose that route. But you know, when we think about coming to these forks in the road and having to make a choice to to follow Jesus, to serve Jesus, all throughout Scripture, there's actually many examples of people finding themselves in the same situations. 
For example, in the book of Joshua, if you look in Joshua 24 and verse 15, this will be on the screen. It says this, it says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve, whether the gods of your father, I'm sorry, the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So here Joshua tells the people, you have a choice. You either serve these other gods, the false gods, or the one true God. As for me and my house, he says, we choose to serve and to follow God. And Psalm 1, we read there's a, there's a choice there to choose the way of righteousness or to choose the way of wickedness. In Psalm, or I'm sorry, Proverbs 15, there's this, this passage in verse 19 that calls us to choose either the way of the slacker or the way of the upright. There's all these different moments as followers of Christ that we have to choose. And the choices we make and the road we go down, they have incredible consequences. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, Verses 15 through 20, listen to this. This is a fork in the road for Israel. It says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. You see the opposites. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. So there's one way. In verse 17, it says, But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, one choice, blessing and curse. You see the, the different choices. And then it says, therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. You see, there's one path that leads to life and good, the other death and evil. There's blessing or there is curse. Choose which it will be. The reality is when Jesus is talking to us in Matthew chapter 7 in our verses today, it's an eternal choice that we must choose. And when it comes to the things of eternity, you see, you can't have both. There's no middle road. There's no middle ground. You either choose the path that leads to life with Christ or you choose the path that leads to the other. You can't have both feet with where you can't have one foot in one path and one foot in the other. That just tears you apart. And if you've ever tried to live life like that, you understand how miserable it is because you know the truth. You know the way you should go. And so there's this part of you that's being pulled that way and the other part wants to live for the flesh and the things of this world. And so you're being pulled that way as well. But there is no middle ground. You enter through a gate and onto a path and it's your choice, one or the other. 
And so Jesus, in our text, he says the consequences are huge. On one path, there is life. On the other path, there is destruction. And so verse 13, he says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. This is verse 13. And those who enter by it are many. You see this wide, broad gate and path that Jesus is speaking about here is the popular path. It's the path that the majority find themselves going down. It's narrow. It's not narrow, I should say, in its thinking. It's actually very open-minded. It doesn't actually care about truth whatsoever. It actually has a different mentality. Where, and, and we see this so often. And here's the unfortunate part, guys. I'll just be real honest with you. And I hesitate to call some of these churches churches because if you're not um, preaching or proclaiming the truth of God's word, I don't believe you're a true church of the king. But there are a lot of even so-called churches these days that preach and teach the broad, wide path that there is no truth that you just find your own truth and whatever that is, you live for that and you go down that path. But here's the deal. Jesus says that this broad path where there is no truth, it leads to destruction. But there's so many places that teach and preach that. There's a lot of people that say all roads, all paths, whether you go left, down the middle, down the right, or the path that was back here, they all eventually lead to the same place. They all eventually lead to heaven. But scripture never says that. It says there's one way and one path, but there's so many out there that are preaching and teaching and proclaiming this and people that believe that actually, that all religions are the same, but they're not. They're fundamentally different. And so we see this broad path that's being celebrated and even encouraged, unfortunately, sometimes amongst places and people that call themselves Christians or places that call themselves churches. Many times on the broad path, you even see sin. Things that the Bible would call sin, you see those things celebrated. Whatever it might be. I don't want to just pick one or two to share with you guys, but as people, there's a lot of things where churches and people say, you know what, if you don't think that's wrong for you, then just do it. There's a lot of people that believe that there's no way a loving God could, could have this place called hell where people will go if they choose this other path. But Bible is clear. There's two choices, guys, two paths. One leads to destruction and one leads to life. One gate, one path. And so in verse 14, it says, For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Jesus here is calling us to take this difficult, narrow, less traveled road because the final destination of this road, of this path is life, eternal life, abundant life here and now. And like I mentioned a minute ago, a minute ago guys, scripture is so, so plain and clear when it comes to the path to heaven, to forgiveness of sins, the path that leads to life. And it's one path. In John 14, in verse 16, Jesus says this. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, right? Nobody, nobody comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. He says there is no other way. He is the way. 
He is truth. He is life. Nobody is reconciled with God the Father except through Jesus. It's exclusive. That's the only way. And if you get upset about that, saying that, well, Christianity and Christians are so exclusive, saying there's only one way, every religion's like that. Because truth ultimately is exclusive. Because if one thing is true, that means everything else is false. So Jesus says, I am the only way. There is no other path. In John 4, verse 12, we see Peter and John speaking about Jesus. And they say this, they say there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's so, so clear. And there's many, many others, guys. But Jesus makes it clear that he is the path. He is the way. He is that gate that we enter through that leads to life. And at the end of the message, we'll even look at a scripture from John that just lays this out there so, so clearly. But here's the other thing I love about Jesus. He's honest. He's a good father, right? He doesn't... um, leave us just wondering what this path, what this journey could be like. And he says, the way is narrow, the gate is narrow, and the journey, that path is hard. It's difficult, actually. You see, when you choose to follow Jesus and go down the path that leads to life, it does not mean that everything is always going to be a beautiful walk on the beach. There are going to be trials. There's going to be seasons of difficulty. There's going to be seasons of sacrifice and pain. There's going to be seasons where you'll be so confused, where you can't see how God's even going to make sense out of your circumstances. But trust God. Have faith in Him that His ways are higher than yours, that He knows exactly what He's doing, that He won't forsake you, that He's got a plan and even a purpose in your struggles, in your trials, and in your pain. And ultimately, never let go of the truth that it always leads to life, to glory, right? This light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory, the scriptures say. Do not lose sight of that. And if you think, even back in the Sermon on the Mount, we've read so many things that let us know from the mouth of Jesus that to follow him means there's going to be persecution. There's going to be trial. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, right? So there's persecution. When people mock you, they ridicule you, that Jesus warns us, like, that's the path you're choosing when you follow me. It's not always easy, but it's always the best. A couple weeks ago, Um, my wife and I were in Ecuador trying to get some stuff ready uh, for our move that's coming up down there. I know Pastor Ron shared a little uh, video clip that I didn't really intend for everybody and their brother to see uh, last Sunday. So if you saw that last week of me and one of our ministry partners hiding under a bush from the hailstorm, you saw me in a vulnerable moment there, (laughs) okay? Um, But when we went, I went down first um, to Ecuador and Maggie came a few days later. She brought with her peace. I didn't bring any peace, but storms with me. But um, I met one of our ministry partners that we're going to be working with in Ecuador. And um, so I met him at the airport. We went to the hotel that night and the next day we were going to get up and go and and show him some of the communities that we're going to be working in and, and distributing some water filters and planting churches and all this great stuff. We had this awesome plan to, to show him these places where we're going to team up together. And 
What I didn't know ahead of time until that day or that night when we got there is that the indigenous people of Ecuador were planning a big protest and riots the next day um, because they were upset. Imagine this, over gas prices. Who's not upset about gas prices in the world, right? Okay, so they said, listen, president, you've raised the gas prices um, and we don't like it, so we're going to block every road and burn stuff until we get what we want. That's not conducive to travel. I don't know if you know that or not. But so we started that morning to go to this community with our ministry partner and we got maybe a half hour down the road and here we come the first roadblock they had the roadblock fires burning all these uh, people with these little wooden spears and some of them had nails out the side and when any car would try to come by they just pop out the the sidewalls of the tires it's pretty genius really um but anyway so nobody's going through there and so this ministry partner i'm with he's like well listen let's just go talk to him let's just go tell him we're missionaries we're gonna we're gonna do some good in the communities beyond here and then they'll let us through i'm like that's not gonna happen but whatever if you want to try and so he goes up there mind you he just marches off the ecuadorians are pretty short people he's a very tall man he speaks zero spanish but he thinks he can and so he goes in and he starts talking and all of them just surround him and i thought oh my gosh this isn't good you know and so he's starting to explain to them that we're missionaries but see he doesn't speak spanish and so what he told them in his his spanish was that we were millionaires okay (laughs) yeah and I'm like, why is everybody laughing? And, there's, and they started saying, oh, you must be related to the president. You guys are all millionaires. It did not help our cause whatsoever, in fact. And so they promptly said, uh, beat feet, get out of here. You're not coming through. And I was like, way to go. What are you telling we're millionaires? He's like, I thought I was saying missionaries. Um, it was really kind of funny. So we back off, we retreat. We go, we find these other people. We're like, listen, is there another way to get to this town we're going to? There has to be another way. And they're like, oh, well, there is. There's this little road over here, and it goes up the mountainside around this volcano, and then when you come down the backside of it, you should be to your town. And we thought, sweet, let's go. We've got a truck. We're ready to roll. We're not going to go down the main road where all these protests are, because they were blocked like boom, boom, just one after another. And so we take off down this, this, this road, this less traveled road, okay, and I'll try to shrink this story down. This is the first day. The second day is when you saw me under the rain, in the rainstorm, okay? God had such a good time with me that couple of days. But long story short, we end up on this journey hours, hours not seeing a person. We finally get to the top of this volcano. We come to a fork in the road. Oh boy, right? But God provided us with a messenger, some random dude. I don't even know what he was doing out there. And we said, how do you get to this town we're going to? And he's like, oh, well, this way doesn't go anywhere. But if you go that way, you'll make it. I said, sweet. Thank you, Jesus. But he's like, but I don't know if you'll be able to make it. There's so much mud from the rains we've had. I don't know if you're going to make it through there. And we said, we've made it this far. We got it, right? So we take off down that road. And Guys, I'm telling you, I I saw with my own eyes the miraculous. When it comes to mud that is that thick and deep and bouncing, it was incredible. We went through it somehow. I have no idea how. I just knew we weren't making it, but we made it through it only to get stuck in some stuff that was like this thick, okay? But I really didn't, I don't know how we made it through there. Um, Oh, I'm getting windy. Um, So we get stuck on the side of this mountain. No cell phone reception, nothing. There's this truck stuck in front of us, all these other Ecuadorians. We spent the next three and a half hours trying to push that truck out, only get our stuff stuck more. Sent to this guy in a motorcycle. They come back with some dude with a winch. A couple hours later, we're up. To... What should have taken an hour 
Okay, took at minimum 10 hours, but let me tell you guys this, we made it through. Isn't that amazing? We made it through. And as I was doing that, as we were going through all that, thinking about this passage, I'm like, that's kind of how it is to follow Christ. You'll get there, but you don't always have a clue what you're going to encounter on the way. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be trials. It might take longer than you think. Who who knows what's on the path? But if you stay the course, you'll make it. You'll make it through to the end. If we'd have tried to go down that broad, easy, nice road, there's no way we'd have made it. We'd end up with flat tires and who knows what else. I don't know if they did. They probably captured us because they thought we were millionaires. But anyway, um, but guys, that's kind of what it looks like to follow Christ. It's not the road that many people are going to choose because it is hard. It is difficult. But at the end of the road, there's life. There's goodness. The other way, it leads to destruction. But it doesn't always look like you have in your mind. Understand that and, um, and trust God through those times. And so let me say this. You might be thinking, okay, I get the point. You might. <laughs> That's okay. That's good too. You might be here this morning and be like, okay, I get it. We got this choice. We can choose Jesus or we can choose to just go any other way. That way leads to death, destruction. To choose Jesus means life. How do you choose the narrow path? What does that mean? And guys, what that means to choose Jesus, to choose that narrow path where he says, I am the only way. I'm the way, the truth, the life. The only way to God the Father means to choose to accept the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. Our Bibles are big. There's so much in there. Okay? 66 books, 40 different authors. You look at it, it's intimidating. But I'm telling you guys, the main point of all is scripture is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of Christ. And to choose to say yes to the gospel is to choose to go through that narrow gate named Jesus and down a path that leads to life. And the gospel is so simple, sometimes it baffles me. It's so simple, but it's deep beyond deep. And the gospel says this. If you've never heard, literally in four kind of points, the gospel can be summed up. And the first is that God, it says this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is the creator of everything. And scripture tells us that he created us as well. And he loves us. He loves the world. In John 3, 16, that's what it tells us, that God so loved the world, not because we are lovely, but he so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, right, to die, to make a way for us. So God created us, and he loves us. And not only did he create us, but he created us, and his desire is for us to have an abundant, full life. And that's what it says in John 10, 10. Jesus, he says, "I I came that they'd have life and have it to the full. So that's the heart of God. He created you, he loves you, and he wants you to have a full and abundant life. But scripture says that there's one thing, though, that separates us from God, and that one thing is called sin. Sin separates us from God. And in Romans uh, 3.23, it makes it so clear. Nobody can escape sin. It says that the wages, I'm sorry, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, everybody. There is no perfect person in this room. We've all sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. And then in Romans 6, 23, it tells us, unfortunately, there are are consequences to our sin. 
It says the wages or what you earn, what you deserve for your sin is death. The wages of sin is death. So we've all sinned. We all deserve death. But the third thing that the gospel tells us is that Jesus Christ is God's only, his only provision for our sins. He's the only way that we can be restored and brought to life from the death that we deserve. And so in Romans 5, 8, it tells us, it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about the cross. We know that that's where Jesus was sent and he died. What did we deserve? Death, right? The wages of sin is death. There's a penalty that had to be paid for our sin, and that is death. But Jesus, it says, while we were still sinners, he died for us on the cross. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it tells us more about that. It says, this is what I receive. I pass on to you that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You see, Jesus took upon himself the wages, the penalty, what we deserve for our sin on that cross. And he made a way And that's what we read earlier from John 14. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. And so this is the heart. This is the understanding of scripture of what the narrow gate, that narrow path is. It's understanding that God is creator of everything, including us, and that he loves us. But our sin separates us from God. But God in his goodness and his love sent Jesus to die in our place on the cross. He's made a way for us to have life and forgiveness of sins through the death of Christ on the cross. But here's the deal. Just to understand that in your mind isn't enough. Many of you here, and I'm convinced so many Christians go through your life understanding the gospel, understanding these truths, but scripture makes it really clear that you must individually receive the gift of salvation that's only found in Jesus Christ to be saved. And in John chapter 1 and verse 12, that's what it tells us. It says, to all, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. You see, Jesus is a gift from God to us that brings life and forgiveness of sins. You remember we read in Romans 6.23, it tells us the wages of sin is death. But it didn't stop there. It continued on actually, and it says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God to you for your sins is Jesus Christ. He is a gift from God. And in him, we can have forgiveness of sins. In him, we can have eternal life. And listen, it doesn't matter anything about your efforts to be good, to do good. So many people want to earn right standing before God. And people say, and this is the broad road. People say, well, as long as you do more good than bad, there's no way that God would reject you. There's no way that God would send somebody to hell if they did more good than bad. But in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it just says it so clearly. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not by works. No matter how hard you work, how many good things you do, it will never save you. And this is so that no one can boast. So here's the deal, guys. To accept the gift of salvation of Jesus Christ, it must be received. 
and we receive the gift. Just like if I wanted to give you this gift and I say, I have this bottle of water for you. It is a gift to you. Here it is. It is yours for the taking. But you can acknowledge that that gift is there all day long. You can admire the gift. You can look up to the gift. But until you come and you take hold of Jesus, the gift from God, you don't have him. And we do that very simply through prayer and confessing to God, God, I confess that you are God. I am not, that I have sinned, I deserve death, and I accept you, Jesus Christ, the gift of God for the punishment of my sins. I thank you that in you, Jesus, I have eternal life. From this point forward, I'm going down the narrow road. I'll follow you, Jesus, through that narrow gate and down that road, and I love you. You are my king. You are my Lord, my savior. And the word of God says that when we confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that Christ raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That is the whole point of scripture. That is the ultimate fork in the road that you have a choice today to either choose the way of life or choose the way of death. I say this a lot, guys, but I can't stress it enough. I have so many regrets in my life. So many. But every one of the regrets I have in my life are for, from choosing to do anything but follow Jesus. I have zero regrets in my life from following the Lord. And you will be in the same boat. Choose Jesus. It's not always easy. It's not always popular. You're not going to be applauded by a lot of people in the world. They're going to think that you're wasting your life living for the things of God versus the things of this world. They're going to think it's foolishness for you to sacrifice for people you don't even know. I mean, let the list continue, but I'm telling you guys, it's a road of life. And in the end, I'm telling you, there is freedom and joy in the presence of God Almighty when we are going to be face to face. It's going to be incredible forever. So choose Jesus. Choose that path and stand strong. We're going to see so many beautiful things unfold in Matthew, even in chapter 7. And in 24 through 27, it talks about building your life on Christ, that foundation, that firm foundation, because he says the road is hard, right? And what's so beautiful, and we're going to see this coming up, is that, but you know what? Even though you're going to face the storms of life and the wind and the rain are going to beat against you, you will stand firm underneath those trials because you've built your life on Christ. But if you build your life on the sand, anything of this world, you will see destruction. He continues just to unfold so, so much. But here's one thing I have to say because I'm getting windy again. If you have chosen Christ, you've gone through that narrow gate that is Jesus and you're following the Lord Praise God. There's no greater path to be on in your life. But I will say this. Invite other people onto the path. It is the most unloving thing that we can do to see people going down the broad road, the broad path that leads to destruction and just wave as we go on our own way. But so often that's what Christianity has become. I don't say that to bring conviction over you, but it's just the facts, guys. We're good at being kind to people. We don't want to step on people's toes too much, and so we just kind of interact with a lost world that's on a different path in polite ways. But honestly, if we really love people and we know that we're on, they're on a path that leads to destruction, it is unloving just to wave and continue on our own way. 
To love people means that we have to talk to them and invite them onto the path that leads to true life. Because that path that they're on, anybody that's on the broad, big, wide path, ultimately is searching for fulfillment, for life, for peace, for purpose, all those things. People are searching for those in life. Everybody is trying to answer the same questions of life. Where did I come from? What's my purpose? What's my destiny? Like everybody's looking for that. But invite them into the ways of Christ. Help them to see the one who created them and loves them and wants to bring them life like no other person or place or thing can. We say all the time, we love God, love people. That's like a catchphrase. We got it up here on this back wall over here. If you've never seen it, so many churches, that's their motto. But for us to really love God and love people, we must share the gospel with those who don't know Christ. So make that a part of your life any way that you can. Invite people onto the path. All right, so one more scripture. And then uh, we'll wrap up. You know, actually, I was thinking when we were on that, you know, I was telling you about we were on that mountain road, the mud road. I call it mud mountain now. Um, But we would run into people occasionally trying to go down that path where all the protests were. And we'd say, don't go that way. You're not going to make it. It's not worth it. I'm telling you, you need to go this way. This is the way that leads out. But the unloving thing to do had been like, just let them go. Don't say anything. They'll figure it out on their own. That'd be a really mean thing to do. But sometimes that's how we live life with an unbelieving world. So John, or I'm sorry, yeah, John 10, verses 7 through 10. Listen to this. This kind of sums up our text and, and everything this morning. It says this. It says, Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Guys, Jesus is telling us he is that narrow gate. It's only through Jesus that we find pasture, that we find life, not only just good life, but abundant, full, fulfilled life. It's only in Christ because the thief, Satan, he comes with the exact opposite purposes for your life. The world has nothing to offer you. It only leads to things being stolen, right? The thief only comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but Jesus comes that we'd have life. In fact, John 3.16 tells us, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, right? You know what 3.17 says? Jesus says, I have not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. That's the heart of Jesus. He says, I want to save you. I'm that gate. Enter through me. So two questions this morning as we finish our time. And the first is this. What path are you on? Only you know. Only you can answer that. But what path are you on? Are you on the narrow path that leads to life? Or are you on the broad, wide road that leads ultimately to destruction? You can't be in the middle. There's no middle road. It's one or the other. What path are you on? And then secondly, if you're on that narrow path, how can you bring others through the narrow gate and onto the narrow path? How can you do that with your friends, your family, neighbors, strangers? 
What are you doing to get people on that path that leads to life? If you guys are able, would you stand with me? And we're just going to pray real quick. I'll say this too, as you guys are standing. Um, You know, for a long time, I thought I was on the narrow path. And I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I knew about Jesus, could tell you everything about the gospel, but it wasn't until my freshman year of college when everything was challenged for me in my faith. And through all sorts of random circumstances, what, uh, in the help of a person that cared enough about me being on the broad path, the wide road, I realized that I knew about Jesus. I didn't really know him. I knew that he was the gift of God, like this water bottle still sitting here, but I just lived my life admiring him and acknowledging that he existed and that he had made a way for me, but I'd never taken hold of Christ. And if that's you this morning, guys, I'll tell you this, there is zero shame in that. When you recognize that, that maybe that's the road you've been on, maybe for years, maybe you've gone to church your whole life, don't be embarrassed about that, but get on the right path today it leads to life. And I will celebrate a million times over with somebody who says, man, I've been kind of faking it. I've been an admirer of Christ rather than a follower of Christ from years. But today I'm getting on the narrow path. And if that's you today, man, come to the back when people are taking communion and receiving prayer and just share that with one of us and let us pray with you and for you. Because I'm telling you guys, there is no middle ground. And Jesus loves us enough to warn us of that. So get on that path. And if you're here this morning and maybe you've been praying for family members, friends, whomever that you see going down a bad path and you want to just rally with some other brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for them and do that in your seats, come in the back. We'd love to pray with you also. There's the elements for communion you can take and people to pray with as well. So let's bow our heads. Father, we love you and thank you, Lord, that you've made a way. It's not always easy to follow you. There's twists and turns and obstacles and things that are even downright painful. But Lord, we trust you that your path is the path that leads to life, that your ways are higher than ours. They're far better than anything we could imagine. Your word tells us there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. We don't want to live in our own wisdom, in our own intellect. We want to live according to your truth. And we want to live for you, Jesus, because you are life. So, Father, I pray that you would just, uh, just work in the hearts of those that are here this morning who aren't on that narrow path. I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd overwhelm them with your love, your kindness, your goodness, and that they would have the courage even this morning to step onto the path that leads to life. And those, for those of us who are here this morning and we're following you, Jesus, man, show us how we can reach out in love and grace and truth to those around us, that we could introduce them to you, Jesus, the one who is love. Thank you for our time this morning. Thank you for your word. You are good and you're worthy of our lives, Jesus. Amen.